Now, before we begin, I, I uh, have I have to call some shenanigans here, Ben. Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about animation studios, and I had said I had said something about uh, Sunbow uh, being bought out by Saban, and it was actually Marvel Productions. So I got that wrong, but that's just a preface what I'm about to say here. Uh, you kept saying on X Men Evolution that Marvel went to Warner Brothers Animation. That's what. That's how I heard it. Uh, I have not found any evidence of that. It aired on Kids WB instead of on on Fox. Well, the first season, I think, was on Fox, wasn't no, it? No, it all aired on Kids WB. Well, I'll have to check on that again. And this, this is back when Kids WB didn't air any other properties except for Warner Brothers properties. They were very stringent about that. Okay. They only The only anime they showed was Pokemon, for crying out loud. <laughs> that was back when they gave a damn about the animation. Do they even show cartoons anymore? Because uh, I, Cartoon Network doesn't show cartoons anymore. They're too busy showing this live-action bullshit. I, I, tu- I turn it on, and it's like, it's the news. They tur- they've turned it into Nickelodeon. Well, and Nickelodeon oh, no. started airing cartoons. Hey, it's like I get stuff on Adult Swim. I like Adult Swim a lot. Yeah. Yes, it's... Yes. Uh, hell no, that son of a bitch had an axe. <clears throat> oh, that's... Are you quoting something there? Yeah. That was one of the funniest yeah, bits on Aqua Teen. Yeah, that was, one, that was the funniest bit on Aqua Teen. That was hilarious, I know. Yeah, it's like, oh, what, like, what oh, you said it was yeah, fun there? Yeah, Jerry. Oh, no, he's cool. Me, he took me a Merry Christmas. <laughs> that guy had an axe. Yeah, and, then, and then Jake grabs the sandwich and he disappears, and Frank Alex said, so what you say it was fun there? And then... Meatball says, hell no, that's a bitch had an axe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm more partial to uh, the Pluto aliens. Anything t- having to do with the Pluto aliens. They're, they're moon they're moon and nights. No, 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 the Pluto aliens. Remember, about the melt they, they, wanted to get, they wanted to melt them. Oh. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Base the, attacks. Yeah, and the the Universal Remonster and all that stuff. Yes, you could kill him with a kill him with a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, anytime you want to go, I'm just shutting things down here. Okay, I'm I'm just trying to get a good vibe with the with with our new guests. It's I I want to build a good rapport. <laughs> rapport before it comes crashing down. Yes. Uh, yes. So you have read my list as well, right, Stephanie? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good, good. good. I, yeah, I know, I know, I know a few of them. I'm familiar Most with a few of them. Okay, let's more uh, of let's... the the older the older ones. Not not. Uh, I don't know how old some of them are. I don't know if they're new or not. But some okay. of them were just kind of I was scratching my head at. Okay, let, let's let's start off. Let's start off here. Okay, these are her circumstances. <laughs> okay, I know that's a weird pick, but that was the first anime I saw that I liked. And you get, you'll get to pick on me much more later when we start the show. Okay. Okay, we're going to start this thing. Let's light this uh, candle. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we are doing my top 20 list. This will be you, your chance to see what my likes are. And, you know, you'll hear the guys here, you know, busting my chops about how strange my likes are and praising me for how uh, artistic my likes are and yada, yada, yada. Uh, once again, we have Neil. Revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. And we also have joining us for the first time, Stephanie O'Donnell. Hi, how are you? And uh, Jeff Wosky. Hello. All right. Uh, <laughs> let, let's let's get this thing started before we just brim over the top with enthusiasm. We're going to start from the bottom up, you know, just like nature intended. All right, so... Uh, on the bottom of the list, we have uh, number 20 on my top 20 is Real Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Now that I'm familiar with. Yes. It's uh, one of the first cartoons I really watched and enjoyed. Uh, when I was a child, I was a huge Ghostbusters fan. How old are you? When I was a child? Yeah, how old are you now? I'm 28 they're now. It's, they're it's, trying uh, to age. Okay. I'm just I'm trying to get a, a concept of, I'm just trying to get a concept of like what time the show was. Oh, well, it was, you know, 89, 90, so oh. it's... No, what I really liked about this show was that 
they kind of stuck it to the filmation Ghostbusters by throwing the real in the in the title and had it underlined. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> it's like fuck you, filmation. We're better, <laughs> and they were better because uh, I liked how the fact that they didn't try to go with people who looked exactly like the actors. They could have, but they didn't. They went with uh, they took like a couple of traits from the characters and overemphasized them to, and used those as a base to create these designs. <clears throat> Well, Dan Aykroyd was nowhere in that cartoon. Yeah. 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 Although, um, wasn't the, but, but it was still like, it was still established that those were the characters. They just didn't have them look like yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it even used some of the continuity, big word or continuity from yeah. the movies. And they even used mood slime in one of the episodes. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I think is kind of interesting are you going to bring up the Lorenzo music thing? Oh, I yeah. was going to go with that. <laughs> oh, so you already did that? About- yeah, Lorenzo music got screwed out of that. Well, the, the, the thing that people bring up all the time is Lorenzo music voiced Peter Venkman, and uh, Peter Venkman played Garfield. Well, that's kind of what I was going to bring up. But basically, Bill yeah, Murray. That's what I'm Bill Murray was. Yeah, Bill Murray saw the Bill Murray saw the cartoon. It was like. Why do I sound like Garfield? So they so they fired Lorenzo Music and brought in someone else. <laughs> no, yes. didn't he die? No. Well, he died, but that was way after. Yeah, he was doing oh, really? Garfield cartoons for years after that. Did did he die of embarrassment from seeing that film? No, he died long before the film came out. I think bef- like ninety four. Yeah, oh, I think okay. if he was still alive when they were making the movie, they would have picked him. Oh, okay, yeah. But they had to go with yeah. Bill Murray, you know. Unless he wanted more money, then it's like, oh, well. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed this cartoon for many reasons. Number one was the first season was animated beautifully, as was the tradition back then. I really didn't know much about it, but I just remember being impressed as hell with the first season of animation with real Ghostbusters. You know, as as I say, it's it was something I didn't realize back then, but a lot of cartoons, even a lot on this list, had this problem where the first season is where the staff and production company blow most of their money, and subsequent seasons are not animated as beautifully. Yeah, they'll start. Yeah, it all like, just kind of goes. Yeah. Goes south. And one episode I remember quite distinctly in the real Ghostbusters was one where. Uh, Ray finds out that he owns like a Scottish castle and there's like armies of ghosts he has to fight and he turns all these dumpsters into ghost traps. Mm. I, I distinctly remember this episode and uh, it was, you know, it's a silly premise, but it was beautifully animated. And of course, as anything, as the show went on, decay happened. Uh, they they brought in the child ghostbusters that had a go-kart that shot watermelons. Oh god, that's when it always goes wrong. When they bring kids in, it's like... and then they start doing the uh, badly animated Slimer bits. Oh Jesus! <laughs> that's when they retitled the show Slimer. No oh, and they the gave him top billing. Yes. So what was it? Just like a whole like it was just like a variety show with Slimer. Is that what? Yes, where they started doing about? like a fifteen minute segments. They they divided the show in two. They tore the show asunder. He turned into Poochie. Yes, it was it was a show that I still enjoyed, and but sadly because of all these things, it as I got older eventually bumped all the way down to number twenty on my list. How do you all feel about this show? Where does this show personally rank for you? I have fond memories of it, but uh, it, it gets harder to watch as the seasons go on. So similar experience as me. Yeah, Stephanie. I, I just I just remember it. I just remember seeing it. I remember kind of not getting it because I didn't see the movies. I, uh, uh. I actually I actually saw I finally saw the first one for the first time like last year. Ah, how did you enjoy uh, that? Yeah, it was pretty. I, I got all the references finally. <laughs> so now I was like, oh, now I know what they're talking about. Like you know. And Jeff. Yeah, with all those. Now, which one Sorry. Are you on again? Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, yeah, I vaguely remember the cartoon, but I remember the movies, like Stephanie says. Ah. Um, okay. Let's uh, then let's uh, drop this one and move on to the next. I have Disney's Recess next on my list. This one kind of surprised me, but uh, 
thinking back, not so much because it was a good cartoon. I just it was a, it was watch. a solid kids cartoon. It was a kids cartoon that didn't condescend too much or make situations too unbelievable. For, yeah, it was so very smart. It was it was a smartly written cartoon that uh, that really surprised me and I enjoyed it and because it had real real characters, but it was about kids having adventures. So I enjoyed it. It kind of uh, rounds off your list yeah. pretty well, like with all the other ones. It seems a little bit different. <laughs> My list is a very strange list, okay? It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop agreeing. <laughs> All right, let's see here. We have next on my list the 2002 He-Man cartoon. This I is didn't a t- realize they made a remake on this. They yeah, made two remakes. Eye. Yeah, they made two remakes. They you can tell where you are in He-Man by the placement of Gary Chalk. <laughs> if if you don't know who the hell Gary Chalk is, you watch the filmation He-Man. If you think Gary Chalk is He-Man, you watch the one where He-Man is in space. If Gary Chalk is Man of War, you watch the new one. So it's all about Gary Chalk. It's always got to be about him. Well, with He-Man it is. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And with the the 2002 He-Man cartoon, they did a lot of things right. Like, for instance, Adam and He-Man looked different. (laughs) Yes, they did. how, How radical a change was it? It's like it's like Billy Batson and Captain Marvel. He like oh, put his okay. hair up. He put his hair up in like a ponytail. Uh, no, it's he he got big. Did they did they give him a George Clooney haircut? No, did he had like a, a Caesar. No, he had like a regular haircut. Oh. Did he grow like Incredible Hulk kind of big? Pretty damn big. Wow. And they and they made his and they made the King of Eternia Adam's father. Like a barbarian king instead of just like a king king. This actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. They it was really a well put together series, and the uh, the second season was called uh, the Masters of the Universe versus the Snake Men or something like that. Still well animated, but I kind of felt like it sort of didn't step quite as right for me. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how amazing this cartoon is, especially since this was aired on uh, Cartoon Network. And this was an American-made cartoon, so of course they had to worry more about censors. So all He-Man did with that sword was break inanimate objects and wave it around menacingly. Well, it's not far removed from what he did in the first cartoon. I don't remember him really doing anything with that sword in the first one. Well, he pointed at Cringer to turn him into the mighty battle cat. Yeah, except like, you know, calling upon lightning to transform himself into Prince Adam with a tan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And gay bondage gear. Yeah. <laughs> well, you yes. know, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> Except when you do. Yeah, I mean, it's fashion week. Yes. So how? what were your feelings on He-Man, the 2002 series, guys? I liked it. Uh, I didn't see enough of it. I need to see more. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was the guy who was doing Merman chose to do the Alan Oppenheimer gargle voice, and they could have done away with that. Uh, Jeffrey? Oh, I loved it. It was... Great. It was. I don't remember. I didn't watch it. So. <laughs> Stephanie. Well, I want to see it now. Yes. It's just, it, it sounds very enticing. It does. I will, I will have to. I will have to pirate bay it. We at the animation aficionados do not approve torrenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, just just cross that out. Just yeah. do a, like a big bleep sensor. Okay, let's take a look here. Next on the list is the 2003 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Better than I thought it was going to be. It, it really shows when one of the original creators of the comic actually got into, you know, production of this cartoon. And, you know, a lot of the early arcs was pretty much based off of, if not a direct translation of a comics arc. So it uh, really showed, and with real hardcore Turtles fans, it really helped. Of course, the fans of the 80s series hated it, because it's not goofy enough. Well, I think they got the best from the 80s series and uh, brought back what was good from the comics, because they weren't differentiated enough in the comics to work in animation, so that's one of the one of the writers on the cartoon actually made it so that all the bandanas were different colors, and you could tell them apart that way. And they brought that into the cartoon, and that was good. Yes. But other other than that, they uh, they did it a lot more adult. Yes. 
One thing I did enjoy about the cartoon is, like I said, a lot of the early seasons were trans, you know, were uh, translations of co- comic arcs, and you know, a lot of people who enjoyed the '80s cartoon, of course, know Krang and Shredder. Yeah. In the uh, 2003 series, essentially, Krang is Shredder. Oh yeah. So what is Krang like? His brain, like disembodied brain. No, it it's a, no. There are aliens called Utrams that look like walking brains. And, oh, okay. Uh, and a Utram uh, uh, criminal crash landed in ancient Japan, and you know created a robot body and called himself the Shredder. And oh, the Shredder's a robot. Yeah, it's actually that's what makes one of the coolest scenes in the like the uh, end of uh, season one awesome is where Leonardo slices the Shredder's head off and they show it and then the Shredder's decapitated body falls down. Everyone's like okay we defeated the Shredder. They walked away and then the Shredder's disembodied body (laughs) stands up picks up the head and walks away. So that was the show's oh snap moment. Yes. Nice. And let's not forget the cartoon ended fabulously with a three-way crossover between the comics, the the 80s series, and the 90s series. Yes, Turtles Forever, if you have to... Or I, sh- I should say the 2000 series. There was no 90s series. Yes. Everyone has to see this movie at least once in their lives. It's called Turtles Forever. Turtles Forever? Animated? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, sounds like, it sounds like it's kind of Care Bears-ish. No, it's not. It's totally not, especially when they show the original... That's the thing. People talk... People... That love the 80s cartoon series talk about how the 2000 series is so rough and gruff, and then they show what the original comic turtles are like, and it's like, holy crap, it's like Frank Miller created them. Hmm. Yeah, I have which no idea. Fun- which is funny because uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic was created as a spoof of Frank Miller. <laughs> In the original comic strip, the uh, canister of goo that turned the turtles into humanoids smacked into a blind <laughs> daredevil. You know, teenage face. It's funny. Oh, that's amazing. No, it, it says it, it even said smacked into a blind kid's head. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> Look it up. That's it so happened. Mean. That's mean. It happened. Mm. We cannot make it unhappen. So, uh, Neil, you saw the series, of course, and a little bit of it. What's I, really I need to funny, see more. What's really funny to me is, uh, you know, after all these seasons. What, and they defeated the Shredder, uh, the uh, network said to them, okay, we need to make a series where they go into the future. Peter Laird says, fuck that shit. I'm going to make my own next season and write it myself and produce it myself. I'm a billionaire. And so we had the uh, Turtles in the Future series that they aired on TV, and then they had the Turtles, uh, the Ninja Tribunal series that Laird himself funded. Yeah, this is getting into the seasons where I didn't see it. So. I know, but it's really funny to note that this is one of the cases where the creator hears one of these stupid bullshit ideas that we always have to deal with, like, you know, how Pinky in the Brain became Pinky and Elmira in the Brain, because because mm-hmm. uh, executives up in the network wants this some old bullshit. And this is a case where the creator is rich enough and powerful enough to say, fuck that shit, I'm going to make my own next season. We just have, I have just never seen... The creator do this before, so it just is worth noting, I think. Jeffrey. Yes. I, I while I can't recall many episodes per se, I do remember the most the, the animation. Smooth uh, animation. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely I like the animation better than the original series. But this, you know, this is this nostalgia was, kicks in, but Yes, yes. Okay, let's take a look. Next on my list, of course, is Futurama. Of course. The uh, culmination of Matt Groening's uh, genius as a series where where he's able to take some risks, do some funny things, and uh, overall has a much better art style, at least compared to The Simpsons. Yeah. Do you like Futurama, Stephanie? Uh, not really. No. Sorry. <laughs> wow. I, I, know, I know you didn't you put Futurama, but not... Um... Uh, the Simpsons. Why was that again? I think Futurama is a much better creative effort. While The Simpsons had like a golden age, um, like season uh, three through uh, seven, and then bleh. 
and then South Park. <laughs> yeah, I just think The Simpsons sort of went downhill, at, and the negative far outweighed the positive because The Simpsons had a lot of negative in their later seasons. And I'm going to get a lot of emails about that. Okay. You keep saying that. How uh, how often do you get negative emails? More often than you think. Okay. What's your email address? It's going to be listed on the site. It's, uh, I've, in fact, created brand new email addresses for with animationfishnados.com. Neil has one as well now. Yes. So Notice uh, I'm not pimping it at the moment. Yes. <laughs> like I said, uh, I do enjoy Futurama more than The Simpsons. I think it had much wittier humor. I think it had a lot more memorable secondary characters, for me at least. And uh, overall, I think... Philip J. Fry is one of the better protagonists Matt Groening created. And voiced by uh, Billy... Uh, Billy West. Billy, Billy West. West. Yes. Futurama, I especially enjoyed the movies, which were a great way to bring back the series. I've only seen the first one. I've not seen the other three. The other three are not quite as good, but actually the last movie was really good. The last movie was about as good as Bender's Big Score. But the uh, the movie in between them not quite as good. Okay. The Beast of a Thousand Backs. I did not enjoy that one as much. Let's see here. Let's move on to the list. Yay. Okay. Next on my list is Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Now, who animated this? This is weird. I do not know. All I remember was it was pretty well animated for a syndicated cartoon. It had a lot of great sci-fi humor. And it did not at all take itself seriously. Well, I hope not with that name. <laughs> Jesus. Have you seen it? No, I didn't even know it existed. What? What? Uh, when did that come out? It was like late nineties. I just remember watching it. No. And thinking it was a great cartoon. No, in the late nineties, I was I was too busy being an angry teenager. So. Mm. Oh. I think it was one of those UPN shows, and a lot of of us were too cool for UPN. Syndicated. Well, you you can be surprised at what hidden gems are in syndication. Then again, there's a lot of shit on syndication, so. Now I'm kind of missing the UHF channels. Yeah, same here. You just got Weird Al's UHF song stuck in my head. Thank you, Neil. (laughs) You're welcome. Good song. Yes, uh, but yeah, you should all check out Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. That's another one that I'll have to. Neil, find. of course, has seen a couple of bits of it. I've seen about five minutes of it. It looks kind of like it kind of looks like one of those Disney-produced cartoons, but I know it's not Disney. Uh, I'm going to say that the animation is probably done by TMS. Really, for a syndicated on. cartoon? That's a... Oh, it kind of looks kind of. It doesn't look like Acom. And uh, let's do a quick wiki. <laughs> wiki, wiki, wiki. It was produced. Uh, let's see here. It's a studio. It was uh, actually the animation was done by Sunmin Image Pictures. Oh, okay. Oh, Seoul based. So it was Korean animation. Ooh. And as that's as, surprising. As we know, Koreans are actually starting to really catch up in the animation department. To, yeah, I'm surprised to see something like that out of Korea in the 90s. Yeah, Korea in the 90s was pretty bad. It's a Dr. Movie, which is a great studio now, did some terrible shit in the 90s. I'm allowed to say this because I'm half Korean. <laughs> I'm allowed to say pass. it because because uh, I watched Transformers and I saw the birth of Acom through Transformers. Yes, a horrible birth. Yeah, more like a C-section. Darn you, Nelson Chin. We're gonna get to that. Yes. Speaking of which, next on the list is Exo Squad. Yeah, totally ACOM, obviously ACOM, but it looks like it looks like uh, the animators had a gun to their head, like you draw good now, you know. <laughs> well, ACOM, they did... yeah, it's a Exo Squad. Culminates what I put on the website under my uh, under my biography that I feel that an A plus story can carry C minus animation, and. Exo Squad to me definitely had an A plus story, and definitely had C minus animation. So uh, yeah, that let's... sounds about right. Because sometimes with um, I just wanted to say like as a as a comic artist, 
sometimes, you know, you have to try and balance it out. Like, like you said, like if it's, if it has a good story, it'll work. If it has a good story and it's like shitty art, well, you can make up for that by having a really good joke or, you know, a good line, but the other way around, not so much. Yeah. You know, you have to get their attention. It's yeah. not just bells and whistles and, you know. It was really one of my favorite uh, series because it introduced a lot of, you know, what would, what one would call mature concepts to uh, children. It was a syndicated cartoon, but it still introduced the mature concepts of war, death, bigotry, mm-hmm. uh, genetic modification and mutation. All that fun stuff. Yes. Jeff, have you ever seen Exosquad? No. No. Wow. Wow. I was very deprived. Yes. Moving on, here is an interesting uh, here is an interesting series on the list: Men in Black the series. Oh boy. Mm. This <laughs> this is actually one of the cases where uh, one of the things I always felt about American animation during this time period was this is the time period when when far more American animators were looking to the east for inspiration. Yeah. And it was it was refreshing to see an animated design, you know, doctrine that was very Western, very unapologetically American in its look and its feel, mm-hmm. but done good. Yes, obviously, because uh, yeah. one could argue that the earlier Marvel series were a Western style, just not good. And what yeah, I liked it was about the, wonky. what I liked about the Men in Black series was it was well animated. It was. Uh, it had some pretty good humor, and uh, they uh, really liked to uh, they really liked to make jokes on the uh, on on the movies uh, you know on the movie itself. You know they liked to make jokes about the movie, and I think that really helped it because it didn't feel like it was a cartoon made just to be to follow up the movie. Well, yeah, at first it like kind of did, but later on it got an later on it definitely got its own identity. Mm-hmm. And it was really a series that I enjoyed watching, it, except for the last season. Uh, Neil, have you seen this series? Uh, very briefly. I was not a fan of the movies, so I didn't really migrate over to the cartoon. Of course. Uh, it was The animation was pretty good, but I, it just didn't stick with me. So, Yes. Well, one thing I remember in this in this series was, uh, like I said, in, the last season did not make sort of discourage me to be a fan because what they did was there was a character, Agent L, who in the previous seasons was voiced by uh, actually the the woman who played Kess on Star Trek Voyager, and she did a voice that was a very calm, cool, cool voice, and then but she quit, but they wanted to still have the L character, so what they did was they they wrote her as super duper bitchy. And change their voice actors, and think if you know she's yelling all the time, people won't tell that they change the actress. Yeah, I remember that because I I heard it. And I'm like, yeah, they changed it. No, you can't fool me. Yeah, yeah, they they underestimate the audience a lot of the time. Yeah, and that's how I remember the series. It was uh, it was a clever series. I enjoyed watching it. It was very well animated, and in its vein, another series done by the same people is of course. The big guy and Rusty the boy robot. Now this I like, but I have not seen too much of it because it was on Fox, and that was the era where Fox was moving cartoons around all the time, and you barely got to see something before it changed the schedule again. Yes. For those that do not know, the big guy and Rusty the boy robot is actually based off a Frank Miller cart uh, comic, one that did not involve uh, Batman yelling about him being the goddamn Batman or prostitutes or stuff like that it was actually yeah. a, co- a comic about a giant robot fighting giant monsters with a so this boy was robot his soft right. side yes yeah this was and his the- power ballad if he w- if he was like a, a butt rock group yes okay i did see the one where uh where he had to blow up a, a nuclear missile and he he said to the boy uh no following that's a show right no oh no, you're thinking of the Iron Giant. <laughs> yes. No, the big guy in the boy there. robot is uh, <laughs> is actually the, the big guy has a great voice. It's almost Cullen-esque. Mm. And the big guy says a lot of great catchphrases, most of them very pro-American. 
it's it's really hilarious. And the big guy also has one of the greatest giant robot designs ever, especially how he unfurls his guns because he like opens up his elbows and there's like two big machine guns in the elbows. And the, the, what I loved about the series was it was pretty much a Monster of the Week series, but it quickly introduced a subplot involving six humanoid robots called the uh, Legion X Machina as the villains. <laughs> that works. Yes. I heard a little chuckle from Neil there about that name. Yes. But it's good. I like it. Yes, what's really funny is they're all numbered, like number six, number five, number four. What's really funny is in the last episode, Rusty has to fight number two. And number two says, you cannot escape number two. And Rusty says, your name means duty. (laughs) Poop humor. And they also had a lot of references to the uh, Asimov robot rules in this series. So it was a very intelligently written series, very well animated. I overall enjoyed it a lot. Uh And you all have not seen it, it sounds like. No. I need to see more. I've seen parts of it, and it's very well animated. Actually, it's available to watch on YouTube by the people who own the license right now. Yes, it is. I discovered that this morning. Yes, full episodes, no glitchiness, no, you know, no uh, anti-aliasing. Just so go on YouTube, guys, and watch the big guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. Next on our list is Pinky and the Brain. This, of course, was back in the heyday of uh, Warner Brothers when the the writers were able to be creative without being stunted by the studios telling them to add uh, two-bit characters from lesser cartoons. To give a feel like The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. What I enjoyed about Drinking of the Brain was pretty much the humor. I remember they did one whole episode which was based almost verbatim off of a recording session that Orson Welles did. Yes. <laughs> so that was that was one of the best things about the show is that it didn't it didn't dumb itself down. It's well, the like, thing it is, for, I watched that. I watched. Adults. Yeah, I watched that that sequence as a child, and I thought it was hilarious because the the brain was acting like an egomaniac. And then when I found out it was based off of Orson Welles thing and watched a clip of him actually overdubbing Orson Welles to the cartoon without changing anything, and it timed perfectly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Man, I barely remember that episode. Yeah, it's actually I, really funny because when the brain says, uh, show me how to say this and I'll make cheese for you, Orson Welles actually says, show me how to do this and I'll go down on you. When you watch the the lips, when you watch the brain's lips, what do you think his lips was moving to? No. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to find that. Easter egg humor. Yes, always. That's the name of the episode, by the way. Yes, always. Dirty jokes in Animaniacs too that they they yes at the censors. I thought that was pretty pretty clever. That leads yeah. us to the next on my list, Freakazoid. Now I remember this character with the wild hair, right? Yes, yes. Freakazoid was known for its totally non sequitur humor because I remember they did stuff like uh, they did stuff like add out of nowhere uh, black and white clips from like the 20s like uh, they said oh i even saw a guy got hit in the stomach by a cannonball and they showed a black and white clip of an old man getting hit in the stomach yes, by a cannonball. yes yes that's good i remember that now didn't family guys steal from them yeah and i remember one episode where freakazoid says i said uh, something like so when i was watching congo i can't tell when the, when that's a monkey or a man in a suit and then in the end of the episode it shows the three of them watching Congo and, and he says is that a man or a monkey in the suit that's a man that's a monkey in the suit I remember that you guys have yes. excellent memories it was really one of my favorite cartoons of the time and it was it uh, you know it lived shortly and left behind a good DVD collection yeah that was that was one of the cartoons that had the most uh, the most jokes you had to research like they threw one in there where uh, uh, Ricardo, Ricardo Montalban's character was was torturing the character, torturing the family of the main character, and he puts in a Marty Ingalls tape. And I had no idea who Marty <laughs> Ingalls was. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Marty Ingalls. Hiya, folks. <laughs> really, this was the heyday of Warner Brothers animation, where the uh, writers were talented enough, the uh, cat and the uh, 
producers cared enough and nothing was dumbed down and the animation quality was good. Yeah, and it was then, the 90s too, you know, it was, it was uh, definitely different. And then the dark t- times came. Yes. <laughs> What's really funny came. was when, uh, when the producer, when the, uh, when the studio heads insisted they had to add Elmira to the series, I mean, uh, to uh, Pinky and the Brain, this was the downfall of the whole thing. Now, they didn't actually add her name in the title, did they? Pinky Elmira and the Brain, look it up. They totally oh. poochied it. Yeah. Yeah, this, and this affected, this was around the time Frickazoid got cancelled. And what's really funny is the opening title sequence to Pinky Elmira the Brain is, they had they added the lyrics. It's what the it's what the studio wants. Why bother to complain? Nice little fuck you too. Yeah. Which moves us on to Animaniacs. I have Animaniacs on my list, but not Tiny Toons. What's there, Animaniacs? There reason? Animaniacs is better. Yes. Okay. Um, man, I, I'm just I'm just curious. I like both cartoons, but uh, I think Tiny Toons. I was a child when I watched Tiny Toons, and Tiny Toons had two things going against it. Number one, Kennedy. That was really only the first season, though. But yeah, boingy, was... boingy, boingy. Yeah, all the stretchy, bouncy episodes were Kennedy cartoons. Yes. And number two is when anime when the t- Tiny Toons got preachy, it got preachy. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't care for that either. Yeah. It was it just brought the room down. Yeah. It it was a good primer for Animaniacs. Animaniacs yeah. itself was a lot more nonpartisan. Yeah. Look at this, we're talking about cartoons being partisan now. Well <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into politics. <laughs> well it's it's I know. Tunes is fall for bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they did this, they did that and Animaniacs I enjoyed more because a lot of the bit characters were great. Well, uh, you know, some of the bit characters in Tiny Toons just fell over to the wayside. I could watch a whole episode of Animaniacs and not want to skip a segment. Yeah. With Tiny Toons, if they're doing a furball sequence, I'll be like, okay, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, Animaniacs is extremely influential for yes. me. Yes. Uh, just, there's just so many great things about it. And... To, to most children, Animaniacs was the first variety show they saw. Yeah, yeah, so... There's just... Uh, like, uh, like, for example, Good Idea, Bad Idea. Yes. Just that by itself is just, you know... Yes. And, of course, uh, what I loved about the Animaniacs was they had some bits that they only did, like, Three times, like Katie Kaboom. I only saw three Katie Kaboom things, but every time I saw one, it was great. Yeah. I mean, they had so many different bits that they didn't have to always show each one every five episodes. They 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 could always come up with a good rotation, and I'd be satisfied. Yeah. And what I really loved about Anime X was when they started doing the uh, you know Lost in the Archives and early Warner's cartoon, and they did they show you know Yakko Wacko and Dot in a you know, 20s or 30s era black and white cartoon. Yeah. And they totally... They yeah, that told, was... They, yeah, they would they would change they would change up the style every once... Or, you know, once what I really more. loved was there was actually existed in the Warner Brothers archive a character called Buddy. And Buddy, in reality, was boring as all fuck. <laughs> and so they brought Buddy back for Andy Maniacs and made him made him the Warner's antagonist because the Warner's used to star in Buddy cartoons and every bit was the Warner's utterly abused Buddy. Oh, okay. I sort of remember that one, but not quite. Yeah. As long as we're talking about the variety bits, and these are all overlapping anyway, uh, let's not forget Toby Danger from uh, Freakazoid. Oh, my God. The perfect uh, parody of... Uh, Johnny Quest. And Let me uh, throw they throw a barrel at him. Yeah, they they brought in Don Messick to uh to reprise the roles that he was parodying. Yeah. It was perfect. It did it did the perfect Johnny Quest limited animation and stinted stuff and Oh, and by the way, I sent you a link to show Buddy. How many uh yeah, how many shows are we in? We are we are pretty good down the list. Let's take a look what's next okay. on the list. We, I'm going to dive into some anime here. 
Ooh. Oh. Okay. Because it looks like right now I am a Western animation snob. It was what it looks like. A lot of people are going to email me saying, you're a Western animation snob. How have how come you have never seen Robotech? Well, That's next week. Or Voltron. Oh, yeah. Week. I've seen Buddy. I want to punch Buddy. <laughs> That's what the Warders did. That's what the Warders did. Just yeah. looking at him, I like. I really, I really want to hit him. <laughs> I just, and I'm not a violent person. It's just, I, I don't know. Uh, the first anime, you know, when I was a child, when I was a child, the my first and only exposure to anime was when my sister forced me, and I use the word really strongly, forced me to watch Sailor Moon with her. Oh, okay. Like how how bad are we talking? She's two years older than me. Okay. Was this like I'll sit on you like all day kind of? Well, the thing is, is, she wasn't convinced that we always had to do everything together, so I had to watch Sailor Moon with her. Oh, okay. And so that was my first exposure to anime for a long time. To eat. And I probably saw a couple of episodes here and there of other anime when I was growing up, but I didn't really connect to it. The first yeah. anime I really connected to was actually uh, a series uh, by Gainix called Caracano. Uh, also known as uh, His and Her Circumstances. Yes. it. Uh, I saw it uh, when I was in high school, uh, my last year in high school. It uh, really helped me uh, Really helped me in many ways, and I really connected to it, and I really enjoyed it. And that was the first anime I saw that I really enjoyed, Caracano. And What about it uh, exactly? Like just the story it, or the general it, feel? The, sto- or? the story, the characters, it was about the... It's about the faces people put on when they're in high school or whatever in public, and that's not really them and stuff like that. It, oh, it was a yeah. it was a it that's was a real story. It was based off of what uh, someone call a some would call a shojo. Uh, oh, manga. okay, I know what that is. Yeah, and uh, that was the first anime I connected with. Do 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 the folks at home need to know what that is, or are they well aware? Uh, I don't think they are well aware. You are allowed because to educate I, them. I have a because I have a book right here. It's it's, it's manga for the beginner shojo. Shojo is uh, manga geared towards uh, young girls. Wasn't it all geared toward young girls? Um, not necessarily. Not all of them. All of them. Sa- Sailor Moon was a shojo, and yeah. I hated it. Yes. <laughs> Although there are a surprising number of boys who love that series. Yeah, most of them uh, still live with their parents. Oh. Oh. Well, that's not fair. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Neil. I didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> but, yes, it's a... Caracano, I recommend you watching it because it's by Gainix, which is a Fabulous, amazing animation studio. I don't have much to say about this show. I watched like half an episode this morning. Yes. I'm like, okay. Another series I love is, uh, another anime, is Ruoni Kenshin. It was, it's a series meant, aimed for boys, so it's more action oriented. I enjoyed it because it was just really, really good action, really good story. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the romance. It was overall a great series for me. I saw like a Cartoon Network dub of it, and I think it was the wrong dub. It, they did some alternate version of it that wasn't very good, I think. Yeah, they called it Samurai X and tried to yeah. change it. But yes, it's, has anyone here seen Ruiny Kenshin? Stephanie. I've heard of it. I've heard okay. of it. I, I haven't seen it. It's, so. it's amazing. Most of my top 20 lists, none of you have ever seen. Oh, that's okay. That is a But I'm learning, though. So, and and knowing is half the battle. Yes. Oh, my God. Neil discorded this to me like about five minutes before we started. <laughs> yes. We have, uh, moving on to my list, another Disney cartoon. This one was done by uh, uh, Greg Weissman. Gargoyles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it was one of the one of the most popular uh, Disney cartoons back when uh, Disney was just getting into television animation in the in the late '80s and early '90s. Well, this was actually back when they were starting to reach their swan song. I mean, I mean, Tailspin was gone, Ducktales was gone, 
Really? It was that late? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Darkwing yeah, was... Duck was gone. And then that's when they introduced Gargoyles. Ah. What's really interesting is they had TMS do a lot of episodes for them. So it was one of the few, you know, series that was really well animated. Ah. And uh, it's really well known because they had uh, a lot of really great characters. They had this uh, second season, this whole world tour concept with the second season where where uh, Goliath and Eliza and uh, all these other characters are journeying around the world, meeting all these different mythological characters. They even meet uh, King Arthur and uh, other gargoyles around the world. And they even fight uh, o- Oberon on in Avalon. And so it was overall a really well-put-together series with a lot of deep... Uh, mythology connected into it and around it. Neil, you've seen the series before. Uh, yeah, can you hang on a sec? Yes. Stephanie, you've seen the series before. I, I know of it, but I, I've never sat down and watched it. Jeff, you've seen this series before. <laughs> uh, can you hang on a sec? <laughs> I'm just playing, man. No, I, 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 I remember it, but once again, vaguely, I just remember a little bit of how the, uh, the uh, animation was about it, so... The animation was very good because they had TMS do quite a few episodes, yeah, which I was really funny. Which is it. really, which is really funny because this was back when Disney still had their own in-house animation studio that did not touch a single cartoon on television. Disney had a very talented, okay. you know, one of the best animation studios in the world at that time, and not a single talent was used from that studio to help with their television animation. Well, yeah, because they're just kind of like they don't really know what they're doing either. So they're just like yes, they do. They're, they're, the they're, the people and, that, they're the people that invented these techniques. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just I, I guess I don't have much faith in. No, Disney. I'm sorry, Disney has had back in the '90s the best animation team in the world, and they did not touch a single tele, television animation series that Disney did. They all they always shipped everything over to Japan or Korea, and you know it was done by TMS or another studio that did questionable results. It's uh, you know Kennedy even touched a couple of episodes of Darkwing Duck for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm I think just... Kennedy actually did a lot of Darkwing Duck episodes. They, I think I think Disney was the one who told them to uh, stop doing the boingy boingy crap. Yeah, it's I'm just sorry. I I think that it's a shame that. They did not utilize that team for this. They really should have utilized their team for more than just movies. They probably wanted to focus on, like you said, movies or something else, or you know. Well, what's the shame was, you know, I remember when I was in college in two in the two thousands, and I remember hearing when Disney laid off their entire traditional animation team. I just remember when I heard that, my heart just sunk because, like, it felt like to me, what's the point anymore? I mean. Yeah, it's sad. It's, you know, it's 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 frustrating. You know. Yes, that's why it was good when they hired them back <laughs> years later to do the Princess of the Frog, which I still have not seen, which I probably should. Mm-hmm. But Rand yeah, over Gargoyles. Gargoyles, great series. You know, great voice acting talents. They had uh, Tim Curry. You know, they had Jonathan Frakes. Actually, a lot of this, a lot of the voice actors, it felt like a Star Trek reunion. Wait, Tim Curry was on Star Trek? No, actually, oh. I think it was in an episode. No, but they had Jonathan Frakes. They had Maria Sirtis. They had uh, they had uh, Catherine Mo- uh, Kate uh, Mulgrew or whatever her name is. Yeah, I think they even had John DeLancey. And of course, they had Keith David. Oh, of course. It was a really well put together series. I enjoyed it. Neil, you've liked it too, right? Well, no, we're, I don't. We're, we're I don't remember this show too much, but uh, I know I watched at least the first two seasons of it. There were there were two seasons, and then they did the, uh, and they and they did and then they did the Goliath Chronicles, which sucked. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's one of those things that I only watched one time, and then it disappeared from television for a while, and I never saw it again. Yes, never to be seen again. Moving on on our list. 
We are getting down to the bottom five. It's pretty we exciting. Have, we have the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. Which I have on DVD, so I've actually seen these. These prove, when people say that animation has always been bad or animation is just now getting good, this proves that people who say this are damned liars. Because the technology and the means to make quality animation existed in the 40s. How do I know? Because Max Fleischer did them. Here are some Superman cartoons that look really well done with a high tween rate. That They actually use a lot of rotoscoping to really get the action done just right. The uh, the music, top-notch. The uh, the animation, amazing. It I, I really love these cartoons, if not for the icon iconography that this supplied to later parts of the Superman mythos, just to what it did for animation as an industry. I just thought it was amazing that this came out of Fleischer, because uh, before that, was uh, Popeye and Popeye was Popeye was pretty good, but Popeye was more more of an ad libby type series where where the where the voice actors were doing most of the comedy and uh, a lot of the animation itself was just you know cycles and simple stuff. Actually, a lot of the animation in Popeye was actually really high technical skill. Like uh, I remember when there were sequences where Popeye is rowing a boat, where they mm-hmm. were using uh, where they're using multiple multiple uh multiple layers you know separated by glass moving oh, at different yeah. rates of speed you know it this was a very technical skill used back then and it looked amazing yeah that's true and what i enjoyed about superman was you know it really had a lot of the, to the iconography of superman and it later influenced heavily in the, both the designs and the tone, it really influenced Bruce Tim, which we're getting to next. Next on the list is Justice League, which is the culmination of uh, of all of Bruce Tim's earlier work, all into one series. What I enjoyed about Justice League was back when it was using the the one hour per episode format, because it felt like. An almost cinema experience with each episode. Because here are these characters, you know, the most mighty heroes on Earth, doing these amazing things, and it felt great. When they went to Unlimited and went back to the, you know, half-hour format, it felt... It felt almost variety show-ish. It was still good, but it felt like something was lost. Whereas the former show could could stretch out and do good stories, and uh, the half-hour show... Uh, had to kind of rush things along. Yes, yes, and we'll move backwards in the, the Bruce Timology to the next on my list: Superman the Animated Series. Oh yes, a series that is definitely influenced by uh, the Fleischer series because a lot of the a lot of the designs, a lot of the clothing styles were from the forties in the series. It, mm-hmm. it borrowed a lot from what the the Batman designers called Dark Deco. Of course, brighter in a metropolis setting versus a Gotham setting, but it still existed there. It was a great series. I especially enjoyed what they did with uh, Jack Kirby's New Gods, a revitalization of the New Gods concepts to a younger generation, more keen and apt to uh, absorb it versus the Super Friend generations. Of course, mm-hmm. with Dark Side yeah. voiced by... Uh, by uh, yeah. Michael Ironside? Yes. And it was it was a great series because I felt it really revitalized the Superman properties as well, for me at least. It uh, stressed a lot of things about what Superman should be. He isn't so alien. He is Clark Kent, first and foremost, for me, and that's what the series really stressed to me. One of my favorite episodes in the series was actually the late Mr. Kent, if you've ever seen it. I was just about to bring that up, where they killed, where everyone thought Kent was dead, and Superman was like, I can't be Superman all the time. Yes. Is this the current, um, the current series that's on TV I've seen recently? Or at least on Netflix, um, it's on like the newer editions? Or is this a different series? I think it's a different series. It's a, the Superman that, Bruce Tim series 
is noted because this is when Bruce Tim moved away from, from or actually refined his original animation style to be much more angular. Well, that, that I thought that would have been the uh, the newer one. Like, what, what what year are you talking about here? It was nineties. It was about the ninety five, ninety six. Oh, okay. I thought I might have seen this. I I I think I might have seen a newer one, but um, I I I, I get the the series crossed up sometimes. Yeah, so it ran from ninety six to two thousand. Uh, it was a it was a really good series. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I have the box sets. I recommend everyone else to get the box sets too. Let's see here. Next on the list, without question, number two, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yes. Uh, the series that really defined what uh, a, what a mature cartoon is that can both speak yeah. to adults and children. Absolutely. Uh, interesting note is Bruce Tim worked on the original pilot for this series while still working on Tiny Toons as a lowly animator. I could see him doing that, like, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get out of this cartoon, so he starts doing Batman. <laughs> yes. That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> yes. That was one of the things that I, that I specifically liked about the show, was, you know, the dark mood, the dark tone, literally and figuratively. Yes. Uh, it was just so, it was so dark, it was dark all the time, you know? Yes. Now, one thing I remember is I have I love the the series to death, but one thing I remember is the first time I saw the first the episode the first episode I ever saw was the Cat and the Claw Part One. I remember this. It was 1990. It was probably the first episode that they aired in syndication. I remember that because I read that. I remember this episode because they had a Kate Mulgrew voicing Red Claw, the only time that her voice as a creepy lesbian tone actually worked. Sorry, Kate. It's true. I'm sorry, Kate. It's just true. Okay, and I remember this because uh, Batman is fighting her on a train, and he says, Red Claw's a woman, and she says, what, do you have a problem with that? And Batman declares, I'm an equal opportunity crime fighter. I remember that because this series is great. But even that line made me go, when I was really young, made me go, what? Now, what I remember about this was, when I was a kid, in the late 80s, all the good action cartoons went away. Uh, and then Batman came along, and I'm like, yes, yes, it's coming back. <laughs> Filled the void. Yeah, it was like two but, or three years where there was just nothing. Yeah. But then it was only Batman. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But um, and, it had, and it had really good storylines, too. It was um, yes. Almost Got Him, Harley and Ivy, uh, the Christmas, one, Christmas with the Joker. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of my favorite ones, actually, is... Uh, one of my favorite episodes is actually from The New Adventures. It's, uh, this is an episode animated by TMS. It uh, it uses the uh, Tim Drake Robin in, in this episode. It was called uh, it was called Little Girl Lost. No, no, uh, no, that's not the name of it. What was it called again? I forgot the name of it. But it's one where where Robin finds a girl that's lost and confused and doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. And there's this big scary man running at, running to grab her throughout this whole episode. And he's trying to protect her. And the end culmination is the little girl remembers, and she remembers she's actually a part of Clayface, and the man running after them is Clayface. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's actually a really sad episode. Oh. Jesus. Now, what about the episode where it's the three kids talking about Batman? <laughs> yes. 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 This is actually this actually was copied. In the uh, in the the uh, the uh, Batman Gotham Knight uh, direct to DVD movie as a segment where three kids talking about Batman exact same format, but uh, in in this sequence in the episode called Legends of the Dark Knight, great episode by the way, is they showed the different eras of Batman based on you know told as stories by these three kids. The first kid tells a story about his uncle who saw Batman fool the Joker in a in a robbery, using a very Dick Sprang-like style, with giant uh, mus- musical instrument props and the whole nine yards, it was campy without being Adam Westy. Yes. Oh, okay. It was the you know, without s- all the the sound effects. No. Court balloons. And- no. The second sequence was uh, the Dark Knight Returns, told by the girl. And it's uh, pretty much a very, very, very faithful 
animated adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns with a big hulking 50-year-old Batman voiced by uh, Michael Ironside. <laughs> and he actually says the famous line from the from the, the comic, you don't get it, son. This isn't a trash heap. This is an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. And they actually have him breaking this mutant leader's legs. <laughs> and, of course, they have this sequence that wasn't even a sequence where there's this really gay kid named Joel. <laughs> Who says, are you talking about Batman? I love Batman. With all those tight rubber muscles and his car drives up walls. And all the other kids look at him and go, yeah, whatever, Joel. And they were walking by the by the Shoemaker place. So yes. That was a nod that it was Joel Schumacher. Yes. I'm guessing they don't appreciate the joke as much as we do, Neil. <laughs> what? I guess they don't appreciate the joke as much as we do because Stephanie's not laughing and Jeff is kind of silent. Well. Well, I just wanted to say that we animation aficionados have nothing against gay kids. Just Joel Schumacher. <laughs> but did they mention did they mention the rubber nipples on the bat suit at all, or did they just tight rubber muscles? Is what the kid said. Oh, okay, okay. It was a, it was a gay sure. boy that was wearing a boa. Oh god, that's so stereotypical. That's so yes, bad. and he talked about how fa- fa- fire was fabulous and flipped his hair up. Oh jeez. But it's Joe Schumacher, so it's okay. And really, it's... Uh, moving on. Yes, moving on. It's uh, The whole Batman the Animated Series has to be watched. You know, my favorite episodes, a lot of my favorite episodes actually come from when they redesigned the, the characters and they called the New Batman Adventures. A lot of my favorite episodes came from that segment, like I enjoyed uh, Over the Edge is another great episode I enjoyed, which I know in the end it uses its own, it was all a dream as the... Uh, plot device, but it was still a well-put-together, well-animated episode that actually used CGI in an episode that didn't look bad. Might have helped that it was done by TMS and not just some idiot. A lot of props to TMS tonight. Yes. TMS is going to rock you. Yes. And we're going to lead to number one. Just a note, if I never saw the series that was number one, Batman the Animated Series might have been number one on my list. It was number one on my list for quite a few years. And, you know, it was only because this, it, the next series doesn't say that Batman Animated Series is lesser of a series because of this series. It just says that this series is that so much more. And then my number one is Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yes. It is the culmination of a perfect cartoon that has mature concepts and themes, extremely well done writing, but reachable to kids. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, I- it's... One of my favorite series ever. It is my favorite series ever. Now, I didn't watch this when it first started airing, because I looked at it and said, oh, it was, it's just another uh, anime wannabe. But uh, It isn't. Yeah, I, I got into it later, and I was like, oh, my God, this is actually very good. Well, the and, thing is, it's it's it has more influence from Korea than Japan. Yeah. In both architectural designs, character designs, you know, Clothing designs, I mean, I, I've been watching episodes and I saw, I see women wearing hanboks. That's uh, Korean clothing, by the way. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, versus, uh, you know, a kimono, which is Japanese clothing. So it, it, right. it has a lot more to do with Asia as a whole than being Japanese. That's what made it really strong in my eyes. And I liked how at times it never gave the protagonists real answers. And what I also liked was... It followed the blueprint of um, laid out, in, you know, under in uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces, the hero's journey. It followed that template pretty much perfectly with the first season being the introduction to all the characters, the second being where the heroes are at their lowest points, and the third being where the hero overcomes the challenges. Overall, I don't think I ever saw an episode of this series that was badly animated. Did you see the movie? That doesn't count. Oh, okay. We will never speak of this again. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you, no, no fans of the Avatar movie. Here, yeah. We do not speak of M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> That's a new one. Uh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Came from Gabe and Tycho. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yes. <sighs> it was really a great series. It's my favorite series. And Neil... Where does it rank on your list? It ranks pretty high. I need to see more of it. Uh, 
it doesn't no cartoon instantly wins me over so it didn't this will probably this will probably go up more as I see more of it. It didn't instantly win me over either. It it took two out of the three seasons to win me over. Yeah. No and cartoon won you over. What? Not, not never no instantly. Cartoon. Really? What about when you're a kid? No, I'm. I was. I was a very pragmatic child. It's a. And sometimes I'm. I was wrong. I remember when I was very young. I remember around the time that the. Let me put it this way. When they were both coming out around the same time, I thought X-Men Evolution was going to suck, and I thought Teen Titans was going to be great. And we all know how wrong I was there. Well, i got to say that there was one cartoon that... Uh, I, only one cartoon that I was instantly on board with from, from day one, and that was Transformers. From the time that they were on Cybertron to when they crashed into the mountain, I was, I was sold. That was the only time. Yeah. Yes. But... Uh, you know, later this year we'll do Neil's top twenty. Yeah, as soon as I figure out what that is. But now everybody knows my top twenty gets got a good feel and flavor of what I like, and my personality and all their little quirks and little crevices and all that. So yes, this is the Ben top twenty. What do you all think of my based on the top twenty of what my likes and personality are now, guys? Well, it's an interesting mix. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty thorough, and yeah, like you said, it uh, kind of, you know, I it goes all around. It's it's well rounded. So I don't know what's wrong with it. I mean, it's not like you like. Is Jeff uh, alive? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was letting her finish her sentence. I, was just, I uh, couldn't I was, think of anything. So. All right, Jeff. Uh, what, what's your opinion of my top twenty here? Oh, I was gonna say I got an awful lot to learn, man. <laughs> you guys are. You really know your stuff. I, I, uh, we are true aficionados. You are, definitely. <laughs> you guys are um, exactly how I am with music. So uh, i got to say, everybody's got their, uh, their... Well, I'm pretty good with music, too. It's. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the last camp concert I was at. Where'd you go see? Uh, last year, I went and saw Gordon Lightfoot live. Never even heard them. That's pretty good. I know who that is. Yes. Let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, once again, I'm Ben. I'm TV's Mr. Neil. Stephanie. Oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And um, can I just plug something really quick? Yes. I have a webcomic, and it's called Perfect Agent. Uh, the website is perfectagentcomic.com. And I draw a lot of pretty ladies shooting people in the head. Ooh, okay. So. Okay. And Jeff? And I am Longinus Overman. Yeah, so uh, join us next week. We'll, we'll be doing an episode with a special guest about female character designs and attraction to these female character designs. Yes, one of my favorite topics. Yes. Oh, my wife so, don't feel, so don't feel too bad about that Chitara poster on the wall anymore, guys. <laughs> we will join you next time. Goodbye and good night. Goodbye.